All right, welcome to another episode of Elevator Music. Oh my god! A little bit of technical difficulties. <laughs> Sorry about that, folks. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm Brian Bocek. I'm J.R. Wydra. And we're here with uh, Dr. Aaron Keeker, uh, a professor of theology and church and ministry here at uh, Trinity Christian College. How are you today, Doctor? Hey, good. Thanks for having me here. That's good. That's good. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What what is it exactly that you do here? I mean, I know you teach, but outside of that, what do you what do you do? Yeah, well, uh, let's see. This is my second year at Trinity. I teach uh, in the theology department mainly, and my specialty is uh, biblical studies, especially New Testament studies. So that's what I did most of my research on uh, in my PhD uh, life before coming here. But uh, I mean, the important stuff about me: I'm I'm married. I have three kids. They're all young. We have a good time. Uh, yeah, we're loving the summer right now and looking forward to fall coming around and getting started with classes soon here. All right, cool. It's coming up quick. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty excited about it. (laughs) Um, what are some of the classes you're teaching this fall? Uh, let's see this fall. I'm teaching wisdom literature and, uh, introduction to church and ministry leadership and a couple sections of old Testament and its fulfillment. Nice. I'm, I'm actually taking the wisdom literature course myself. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, so today we wanted to to look a little bit into uh, the role of a Christian in uh, in politics today. How um, <clears throat> how how a Christian should should behave in politics, whether that's uh, getting involved voting, uh, getting involved in other ways. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, first off, I guess before we even start discussing, I think the thing that sparked this whole discussion was just this this health care reform bill um, that's been going on and has been heavily debated and is now. Um, apparently put to rest for a while until they vote on it again in the fall, I think, is what's happening. Um, And so, uh, actually, Dr. Keeger and I are, if I can say this, are working on um, some research looking into Paul's uh, writings um, to kind of get an idea for uh, what Paul's views of the Roman government were, in a sense, and then to bring it to a contemporary um, standpoint of, you know, how do Christians respond to a um, politics and, and government in a way. So that's part of the reason why we brought you here too, um, is because yeah. uh, we really respect your opinion and expertise on that too. So, um, yeah, well, well, obviously, uh, I mean, this opens up a rather large set of issues. And one of the things that I think might be helpful uh, just by way of sort of framing the conversation, or at least the way that I find is easiest to, to access this from sort of a gospel perspective is to, to first of all, not, not think about uh, an individual Christian's response to politics or participation in politics, but I think first we might ought to think a little bit about the role of Christian communities sure. in politics. Uh, and the reason I say that is the way the biblical storyline lays itself out, and, and this is intensified, of course, by Jesus when he comes and begins to proclaim that the kingdom of God is, is in some way imminent, um, here already, but yet still to come, is that Jesus, just building on sort of good Israelite covenantal history, starts to shape this image of a of an alternate society or an alternate community in which the rules for life and living are really different. You know, a community governed by love and charity and justice and mercy, and a community that in many ways, uh, in in its own sort of corporate life together, is a political body. And so I think, you know, one of the first things to do to engage the issue is to begin to think first, what are the roles of our, our communities right. uh, in, in our political context, sure. first and foremost? Okay. Uh, do, in, 
uh, in the Old Testament, there, um, God, God calls Israel to be holy. He calls them to be a set-apart nation. Uh, some people interpret that um, as today, the Christian body, the church, really should should not be you know not be a part of this world. Almost almost living like a separate um, in a separate uh, you know area. Almost, almost, yeah. yeah, like they're not involved in this world. What what is your take on that? How can we as Christians um, you know be in the world but not of the world? Right. Yeah, that, I mean that's just the right question uh, to be asking. And I think there are two ways uh, I think to think about that. Well, m- more than that, but but two things come to mind initially. And first of all. Uh, there's, it's a bit of a misconception to think about Israel in the Old Testament as only having this uh, vocation as, as being set apart and separate. Uh, you know, the co- God's covenant with Israel comes in fulfillment of his covenant with Abraham, which quite explicitly is this covenant to create a people that exists for the sake of the world. Mm-hmm. So God's election of Abraham, God's election of Israel, these, these, fam- these covenantal families are both deeply blessed by God to have this special uh, sort of set-apart life, but that life is meant to be a a showcase for the world. It's meant to be outward-looking. If you read Leviticus or Deuteronomy, you'll encounter all kinds of stipulations for what Israel ought to do with the stranger and alien in their their midst. And so so that's one thing, is that we can't oppose... we can't oppose the call to holiness uh, with God's call also to be active, uh, participating in God's ongoing mission in the world. And this is a pretty consistent New Testament theme. Uh, and God, you know, God, God in God's self serves as, as a model for this. When Jesus says things like, be holy as God is holy, or First Peter as well, the, the model for communal life in First Peter is this engaged holiness, which takes God's holiness as an example and if you look at God as, as an example for holiness, what you don't see is a, a detached God, far off, untouchable, keeping to himself right. so that he won't be polluted by the world. You see the incarnate you know, word of God, Jesus Christ. Right. So you see this capability to both be in some way set apart, but in a way that's fully engaged in, in uh, a cultural context. Right. Uh, like we had, we had been discussing yesterday, too, I, and I think this connects... The whole idea of actually becoming human in a in a way, uh, truly becoming what we were intended to be in a sense, um, and this detachment that we often seem to face as Christians is, uh, in my opinion, completely inhuman. Um, yeah. You know, as Christ is the example of what a truly human person would be. Um, right, and, and even if you look at Christ's lifestyle too, I mean, <coughs> he he came down and he he reached out to the lowliest of the low. He reached out to. Um, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the um, what would be considered the sinners of the day, and so in that way, um, Christ really did, you know, get his hands dirty in a sense, and in, in getting down and and uh, reaching into the world. Right. So. The I, I think um, I mean this this seems this seems right to me to to think in terms of the way our own relationality uh, is connected to what it is to be human or to be a be a bearer of the divine image. Um, in a sense, when, when we're talking about politics and political engagement, we're talking about ordering relationships. Right. Yeah. You know, the, our governments exist uh, at their best to help order relationships for the sake of human flourishing, right? right? Or for the common good, or, you know, governments use all sorts of different kinds of rhetoric right. for that. Um, and, you know, the, the scriptures are quite clear that that's a divinely uh, sort of ordained vocation right, for, human, for human governments. Right. That's exactly right. 
Um, where I think the, our reflection on the Christian community comes into play is that in, in sort of a particular way, uh, you know, the ethical teaching of Jesus, which builds, of course, on the, the teaching of the Mosaic Law, uh, paints for us sort of an alternative picture of, of what it looks like uh, to create a community that allows for human flourishing. And so when we're thinking about things like the healthcare debate or, you know, pick your difficult uh, governmental issue in which right. Christians are, are typically engaged, um, s sometimes I, I would suggest that uh, the wrong starting point is uh, sort of what's my individual role as someone who can, you know, go out and create cultural change on this issue, but rather how can we as a local community create um, what some people have called plausibility structures? How can we show that there's a different way for humans to deal with healthcare among themselves. <laughs> yeah, How can right. we show that there's a different way uh, to, to think about diversity? How can um, the church stand up and say, well, abortion truly is a problem, but you know what? We will take your babies and raise them. So how, right. in many ways, our, our, our culture suffers from this profound lack of imagination in that can't think our way out of our imagine our way out of our problems anymore right. we can't imagine a different way of being thanks to the deep effects of sin in our life what would it look like for the church to be a little laboratory that says well here is a plausible way exactly. to be human and then to offer that picture as sort of a starting point for the church's own engagement in, in governmental issues in the broader human community sure i think that touches exactly on uh, I mean, there are, there are a lot of examples throughout history, I think, where we've slowly let the church slip away from that role in a sense, and we begin to rely on so many other sources to create this order that we've, you know, I think you were just discussing too, um, you know, where we begin to rely on earthly governments in a sense that do not give God necessarily the glory that he's due to fulfill all of these needs in a sense too. Um, I think of things like Social Security and things like that, which was a necessity maybe at the time, but now... You know, yeah. for instance, I mean, that's just one more example of another hot-button issue, I guess I could say. There, there are countless ones where we begin to rely on, like you said, I mean, we have a one-track mind, you know, in a sense, and what we rely on. Right, and I've, I've heard it said, too, before, um, one, of, one of my buddies is, um, he, he is not a Christian, and he, he doesn't, doesn't follow the Christian um, faith at all, does not um, really, really follow a lot of Christian you know, law or, or Christian um, policy, if, if that makes any sense. Um, he, he doesn't really believe in a whole lot of the Bible's teachings. And so um, when it comes down to politics, uh, he he argues not from a Christian standpoint, and he says, uh, or at least he argues to me, that uh, when when I argue from a Christian standpoint, it's, it's not really valid in politics because I'm arguing from um, the Bible's, uh, like the Bible's set of rules, the Bible's, what the Bible's teachings, whereas his truth is something different. Uh, and so in that sense, it's almost, he says, at least said, it's almost wrong for me, um, to vote one way or another on a, on a policy, on a bill, on something like that. He says that it's wrong for me to vote on that based on my, um, religious beliefs and my religious views, because I can't enforce what I believe onto, onto him and, uh, take away his freedoms, uh, like that. It, it does, you know, it, it does seem to me like we need to be a little careful in sort of labeling, um, you know, policy options as the Christian or not right. or not the right. Christian option. It, and I didn't. That's not what I heard you su suggesting there, as you sort of des described your friend's response. But um, I do think that sometimes Christians have fallen into the trap of um, 
being a little too quick to decide which side of policy God is on, and maybe a little bit too slow to think about the, you know, the, the biblical teaching and the long Christian theological tradition that has affirmed the fact that wherever uh, there, there's truth and beauty and justice and goodness, uh, in some way, that that is that's a participation in in God's gracious um, uh, God's gracious giving of God's self to the world. Sure. And so, uh, you know, I would never want to posit that we should oppositionally place sort of the the life of the Christian community over and against the life yeah. of, of the polis or the state or something like that. Um, but I would suggest that one role of the church, one one prophetic role in culture, is to exist as. A, an alternative way of configuring human community, sure. but not as we started off, you know, saying right at the the front end, not in a way that, you know, includes walls built high so that there can be no cultural contact, just the opposite, right. uh, an engaging hospitality that says, look, come and participate in, in, you know, this kind of community, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that welcomes the other and the stranger, even those who may disagree at deeply fundamental levels to, to come sure. and participate. Definitely. So, uh, well, I think it's time for a commercial break really quick, um, and then we'll get back to our discussion. Um, So, yeah, this is Elevator Music. Clothes. Wear some. Another fantastic sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) We are really hurting for a real sponsor. Again, if, uh, if anybody wants to sponsor us, or even just give us a commercial for a sponsorship <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, we'll play it we're also still hurting for a tagline so uh yeah. if anyone has any good elevator taglines right now the reigning champ is the lowdown on what's up so uh if you got anything better <laughs> <laughs> let us know <laughs> um but we are back with dr aaron keeker um discussing the christian's role in a sense not just singularly but the christian community's role in politics um, and really in culture in general, um, I don't know if you guys have anything else to add <laughs> to that. Um, one, one example that comes to mind, uh, back when, uh, President Obama was, uh, uh, running out for election, uh, my grandparents called me and they were like, oh, who are you voting for? And, and whatnot. And they started, they started hounding me on that. And, uh, I said, I told them I wasn't sure yet. And, and that was, that was a true statement. And they immediately exploded with the fact that, um, well, you know, you can't vote for Obama because Obama is, uh, it, you know, supports abortion, and that's that's not a Christian thing to do. Um, and so I, it it began to to play in my mind like what where where should we draw the line as far as taking away other people's freedoms for what we believe in? Again, kind of touching back on on the same um, subject. I don't know if that makes sense to either of you. Yeah, you, you might need to say uh, just a little bit about more about that for yeah. me to, to sort of understand what so, you're getting at. Like, uh, it, one thing that I struggle with is as a Christian, um, for me to say something is wrong, uh, and this this does kind of come from a, a relativistic uh, point of view. But for me to say something is wrong, um, I don't know if that actually means that it is uh, for another person. So in a sense, like let's say that um, you know you you believe in abortion. Well, I um, coming from my perspective, like, I don't, you know, God calls us not to obviously kill other people. Um, and so in that sense, like, I don't know if it's right for me to enforce my laws on you because by me saying you can't do that, I'm taking away your freedom for my religious beliefs, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I, I, it does make sense. And obviously that's a, an argument that makes its rounds all the time in our culture yeah. uh, as we sort of tend more and more, you know, towards the postmodern in a, in a sense that right. truth is so highly contextual that it might be hard for, for my truth to sit alongside your truth because we come from different contexts and experiences and whatnot. And so, I mean, that's a really live issue. Um, and I think also it, it points to the fact that um, or it gives, I think, maybe a little more force to the to the idea that part of a, part of Christian engagement in the broader culture n- needs to be more than just an attempt to legislate morality in in the broader sphere. Which you know, I don't know. For the last generation, uh, though, it seems certain sectors of American Christianity are moving now away from this. But for the last generation, there there was this you know, pretty firmly held model that we ought to be legislating conservative morality in the yeah. United States. And um, that's a viable option. It's, you know, th- that it's a long conversation to talk about how that fits or, and or doesn't fit with kind of the biblical worldview and the way we see, for example, Paul kind of organizing communities within a deeply pagan culture. But one way to at least set that issue aside for a, for a minute is is to come back to what I was sort of alluding to earlier when I was talking about pl- the church as a plausibility structure, as an alternative way of being. Because in a, to engage somebody on sort of uh, their own postmodern home turf and to, and to try to you know, argue from absolutes or from an overarching yeah. meta-narrative might not be a very easy thing to do. Definitely. Uh, in fact, somebody who's faithful to that sort of paradigm or philosophical worldview would be, you know, should just be happy to say, well, that isn't that nice for you, Brian. You right. Know, very right. good. Um, and, and so what the, what the Christian community can do then is to, sug- to suggest by its life together, you know, that there actually are ways of being human that are deeply true and that in some way are are fitting or are with the flow of how God has created us. And so, well, in, you know, I don't know, moral or political or ideological debate, I, I might not be able to persuade somebody, I don't know, that abortion is wrong or that stem embryonic stem cell research has some real problems. I might be able to live in a community that raises unwanted kids right. or that cares deeply and sacrificially yeah. for people who have the sorts of handicaps that are offered or injuries that are offered hope by, you know, embryonic stem cell research. And so then r- rather, rather than engaging in um, a debate that's maybe been al- already decided uh, by both parties, there's a chance to invite someone and say, well, in a way, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. Come, come sure. and, come and right. see, you know. Uh, which isn't to suggest that we ought to, you know, never speak our convictions or participate in public discourse. I'm not setting the life of the community at odds with, with public life at all. I'm just suggesting that one layer that maybe has been a little lacking in Christian yeah. engagement in the political world has has been, um, you know, a deep conviction that our own community ought right. to look different as well. And that uh, that critique is leveled not at Christians writ large. I mean, there have been se- there are segments of Christian tradition who are marked by that right. sort of response. Sure. Uh, politically maybe above all else sure uh i'm i'm good yeah i think that was excellent i'm you know one of my last thoughts on that too is uh, this whole leading by example especially in a especially in a community i think 
is a perfect approach to so many issues relating to Christianity and culture. Oh, definitely. Um, whether it's political or, you know, entertainment in a sense, too, and how Christians respond to that. Um, by leading by example, in a sense, I almost believe that it's, in my opinion, the greatest form of witnessing in a, in a way, too, if I can even use that word. I mean, because by leading by example, we show people that we have something different to offer the world than, you know, any other ideology or any other, you know, man-made, you know, whatever you want to say, can. Right. It, um, kind of the whole city on a hill idea, I think, I want to say John Winthrop came up with that, but I'm not I'm not sure on that, so don't quote me on that. Sorry, uh, Dr. Starkenberg. Uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the whole city on a, on a hill idea where, you know, we have this Christian community, like, look at look at how how it's supposed to interact, and it kind of, you know, ties back to the whole Israel thing, um, like what Dr. Kieker was saying, is that um, you know, Israel was meant to show the world what the Christian community is supposed to look like, and in that sense, kind of, um, that you know, that that is our voice in politics, that is our voice in culture, and right. this is how we live, and this is how we think it should kind of go down. Yeah, that's right. Uh, N.T. Wright, New Testament scholar and um, bishop in the Anglican Church, has a one r- really nice uh, image that works for me even better than City on a Hill, uh, which, of course, you know, Jesus said that too, as did God when he was speaking about Israel. But um, he uh, Wright talks about colonies or outposts of new creation, that in, in the midst of the world, the church, uh, through the virtue of its participation in new creation by the power of the Spirit, exists as a, a little colony of new creation wherever it's at. And so when people wonder what the world to come will look like, it's the vocation of the church, uh, not up and apart and out there, but in the midst of its culture to to exist as a little bit of an anticipation of the world that is to come, you know, thanks to God mediating God's self to us through the Holy Spirit. So uh, that works really well for me, and it helps me to to think about what it is for us to live together in the world. I think that also touches kind of on, on a very important topic in and that uh, um, the the new the new creation the new heaven is is not something that um, you know there's there's a mis- misunderstanding that we're going to be going away to this this new heaven it's something that's going to be coming down um, to us in a sense uh, it, you know if I'm interpreting Revelation right or at least my interpretation is that you know God will pretty much recreate kind of re uh, reform the world almost and so it's you know, we're not. It's not like we're living apart from this world until we get to leave to go to heaven. It's you know, we we live in this world until heaven kind of comes down to us. Right. So, well, thank you so much, Dr. Keeger, for coming by and uh, taking the time to discuss this with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, we would also like to thank uh, Trinity's AV department for letting us borrow their equipment again, and also uh, Mute Math, um, their song "Typical" off their album, their self-titled album, Mute Math. Yeah. And, uh, this is elevator music. So uh, we'll see you later.